Zero Hour Talks is produced by Goal 17 Media, storytellers for the common good. Say what you mean. When you have people having to burst down the doors to get in to exercise their rights, this is not a democracy. Hey everyone, it's Kayla again from Zero Hour Talks. I'm the Director of Operations. I still live in North Carolina. And today we're going to be talking about Vote for Our Future. It's a campaign that Zero Hour and National Children's Campaign is launching together. We're also going to be talking a bit about voter suppression and like live voting is a tool that can and should be used in your organizing and in your life. I have a really amazing person in my life who can sit here today and talk with me about it. It's Natalie Meebane, who is the co-founder and vice president of government relations and public policy for the National Children's Campaign. She's also a longtime adult mentor in Zero Hour and a personal mentor of mine. She's taught me a lot about policy and taking up space. So Natalie, how are you and what does voting look like in Maryland? Well, thank you so much for having me here today, Kayla. I'm really happy to be on Zero Hour Talks. Really excited to be here with you. Um, today, I'm really glad that we are talking about voting. Uh, I think voting is something that, you know, it's it's happening right now. It, we had, a, there was a primary yesterday, primaries each day, each week. And over in Maryland, so I live in Maryland, Silver Spring, just outside of D.C., you know, I'm really, I can actually say there's a lot of states and a lot of places that have problems in their voting. I would say that for where I am in Maryland, I'm, uh, you know, just outside of the DC area, that voting for my area is pretty easy. It's pretty routine. It's pretty nonchalant, honestly. Um, there's pretty much no lines when you show up to vote in person. If there is, maybe during a high time, like after work, historically, you might have a little bit of a line. But we don't have voter suppression for the area I'm in. That's something that I'm proud of, but I'm kind of sad that I have to be proud that it's easy for me to exercise my constitutional right. And it's kind of sad that I have to essentially brag, oh, no, my area is fine when it comes to voting, when that should be the standard and the norm. It shouldn't be uh, something that anybody gets a cookie for. This is something that should be easy everywhere and that should be normalized everywhere. But of course, as we both know, Kayla, that is not the case. To share some of my experience with voting, uh, so I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. And as some of you may know, North Carolina has been one of the most gerrymandered states in our country. So the states like redraw maps every like 10 years. Last year, North Carolina elected officials were told that we needed to redraw our maps because they were incredibly unfair. If we couldn't get our stuff together, the federal government would draw our maps for us. That might be what um, you need. <laughs> yeah, and so the maps we like drew recently were approved by the court. And so now like folks are still saying that it is very unfair and rightfully so. Gerrymandering is intentional way of drawing polling maps, so to speak, so that there is an unfair advantage to um, certain parties, races, and other demographics. So that's something that has been plaguing North Carolina for a decade. So I voted for the first time in the North Carolina primary, and it was really exciting for me. Voting is 
I have to say a bit anticlimactic like you just go in the booth <laughs> you put your thing and you're like okay so what I do next it was really important to vote for something that I was proud of and that I like thought would really change the dynamics of our country so vote for our future is really important to our organizations and for me personally because I want people to be excited about like what they're voting for I want them to vote for policies that actually allow us to have um, a livable future. And so, Natalie, if you can get into the specifics of vote for a future, I'm going to let you have it. Sure. When you mentioned you said voting is sort of anticlimactic, like you're done. And then what's next? To me, it's super fun. I get my sticker. I'm really excited. I wear it for a really long time. You know, it's good. You go home, you watch the results, you see what's happening. You get to see that. Did you win essentially? And it's like, well, your name's not on the ballot. No, but what you care about is on the ballot. Did you win? And I really look at it as it's me actually there sort of on the ballot doing what I can for the issues that matter to me the most. And so I really enjoy voting. It's actually, I call it my favorite pastime. I really have said that out loud before. Um, <laughs> and I've told that to people. I'm like, voting's my favorite pastime. And it's like, what? It's like, no, I really enjoy it. Um, because it to me, the reason why voting is, you know, essentially my favorite pastime is it is that one thing that one, so many people have fought and died for, especially people who look like you, Kayla, people who look like me. That was not a given right in this country for people who have who have black and brown skin and who are women and for us to be both right it's it's something that we cannot take for granted and that uh it was not it was hard-fought victory and so to me that's one of the reasons why i enjoy it because i know that there are millions of people that fought tooth and nail to try to keep me from doing it and that just makes me want to do it more and for our campaign that we're doing together vote for our future the reason we're launching this is really a campaign targeting young, new first-time voters, just like Kayla, who voted for the first time this year and who are starting to enter this time in their life where we, you know, we really want to make sure that voting becomes routine to somebody who's starting off. My first time voting was in the 2004 elections. I was 19 in college, first time voting, and was really excited to do it and have never stopped. And for us, mobilizing young people to register to vote, first of all, and getting their friends and anyone else they know, family, strangers to register, and then motivating them and educating them on the issues such as climate and all the other environmental policy issues that matter so that they can pick people that are best aligned for what they want to fight for. I'm voting against um, concentration camps for immigrants. I'm voting against him deporting all students who are on visas, which is how my mom came to this country and for college, for grad school, where she met my dad. And that's the story of how I exist. And I'm voting against people such as her who were in that same place suddenly being deported because Trump wants to deport anybody who's on a visa if they have online school, which MIT and Harvard just sued the government for that today. So think about the things that make you want to punch a wall and bring that energy. Yes. That was perfect. So Kayla, I talked a little bit about why the Vote for Our Future campaign is so important to me. What are some of the reasons that you are pushing for it, fighting for it, and building this campaign with National Children's Campaign and Zero Hour? I know that I'm in here for Black and Brown folks. I know I'm in here for low-income folks who, you know, historically have been pushed out of, like, voting practices. 
And I hope that like with Vote for Our Future that we're able to make voting more accessible for them so that they can take power in any way that they want to. I want us to vote for policies like the Breathe Act that was just launched by the Movement for Black Lives in order for us to actually implement helpful criminal justice policies. I want us to vote for like the Green New Deal that'll actually help us have good jobs, a livable future, clean air, like clean water. I want us to vote in the interest of immigrants, undocumented folks. And I want us to vote for us. I want us to vote for us. I think that we haven't been able to do that in a while just because all the mass um, practices of voter suppression that we'll talk about in a minute. And so it votes for our future. I'm really hoping that we were able to digitally get to the ground because of COVID. I hope that we're able to kill it. I think that's really what I'm looking forward to. I just mentioned COVID. Uh, I'll just briefly talk about some things that we were hoping to do with this pre-COVID. Zero Hour National Children's Campaign wanted to go on a bus tour to really meet up with the communities there and provide material like resources and actually talk to the folks that we would be like amplifying. Due to the pandemic, COVID-19, we've been like other organizations forced to move everything digitally. So we're still like hiring fellows that will be able to work in their communities, although online. Also, you know, support our organizers on our team. One thing I was looking for with the bus tour was meeting everyone again. A lot of times we're not able to meet up because we're very divided. Um, COVID has drastically changed how our organizing occurs. And Natalie, like, what were you looking forward to? You know, unfortunately, of course, the bus tour had to be canceled, of course, for the pandemic. But as you mentioned, we are going online. So we're, we are going to still have events in the same cities that we were going to be in before, like Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, uh, Milwaukee, Detroit, Flint. We're still going to have events in those places uh, to highlight the environmental issues in those communities and also to help mobilize young people in those communities to register to vote and really push them to to, to vote on the issues that matter most. So I am, I am still looking forward to it, even though we have to do it digitally, which we will be launching our Vote for Our Future campaign on July 17th at 5 p.m. Eastern. And so we have a great lineup of speakers and different people from the communities um, that we're focusing on. And I think for me, overall, it's not so much the excitement for the bus tour as it is to really see thousands of people mobilized to exercise their constitutional rights. Even as the federal government, as we've seen is trying to do, you know, with President Trump, trying to do everything in their power to prevent people from voting, saying that voting by mail is corrupt and that it will lead to... Oh, they love um, to say that. Yeah, saying that it will lead to corruption, it will lead to fraud. In reality, voting by mail is a safe way, an easy and efficient way to vote. That is why he doesn't want people to, because him, along with many of his cronies, want to suppress the vote because he's afraid that if people are actually able to access the polls, they will throw him out. So that is the very obvious reason. Also for the national, uh, for the 
for the postal service right now is going bankrupt. And instead of helping the postal service stay open, he's trying to do whatever he can to, to let it close, which will make it even harder for people to, to access the polls. And we see this as a continued uh, aspect of, of this country of voter suppression. I mean, if you saw what happened just recently in Georgia, they had their primaries, right? And they also same with Kentucky. And in Atlanta, which is the heavy, you know, heavily democratic area and very, um, a very black area. They had places where there were almost no voting machines, three, you know, six voting machines and three were broken. Long lines out the door of people because a lot of uh, of districts have actually closed some of the polling locations as a result of coronavirus to create smaller, smaller number, but that are supposed to be more properly essentially prepared to handle coronavirus. So having different features up, um, screens up to block people from interacting face to face with the poll workers and just other procedures that are necessary in order to have a safe voting experience. Unfortunately, if you don't have enough vote by mail, then you have an influx of people with a smaller percentage of places to go. Um, and you saw the same thing that Kentucky did just a couple weeks ago, where in Louisville, the largest city, largest, most populated Democratic city, but also uh, largest Black population, they only had one voting place, one polling place for over 600,000 voters, knowing that, knowing that that wouldn't work. And it, was, it worked exactly how it was designed, because it was designed to be dysfunctional. And we saw lines of people, cars, of an hour-long wait just in the car to get up, then a late to get in, and then closing the doors, locking people out before the time where people were literally banging on the glass door, shouting, let me in, let me in, I want to vote. When you have people having to burst down the doors to get in to exercise their rights, this is not a democracy. And what we saw in, in Kentucky, especially just a few weeks ago, which was um, Charles Booker was running a very competitive race against Amy McGrath. And I know Zero Hour, I know you all endorsed Charles Booker. We you did. See, yeah, he, great candidate, <laughs> Green New Deal candidate. You saw a race that we knew was going to be close. And the community that was the largest percentage African-American was disenfranchised from voting. And this is not a mistake. This is not an accident. This is by design. And it's a test run for November. I want us to sit on that. All of the voter suppression that we're seeing right now is definitely a test run for November. And we're going to see this happening again in a few months. So I really want to stress on the importance of being able to vote in, you know, like Green New Deal champions, progressive champions, people who are like here for Black and Brown communities. Because if we aren't able to get those folks into office, we won't be able to get legislation like the Breathe Act into our lives. And so we need those things. We have both been working closely with Movement for Black Lives, getting the environmental justice movement behind this. You know, Kayla, earlier you mentioned the Breathe Act, and I'm really happy you did. That is the new bill introduced just recently from the Movement for Black Lives in order to really address uh, the, the systemic problems of policing in this country and all that goes with it. And one thing I'm really excited about from it is it also has parts uh, related to environmental justice. I mean, there's so many, there's so many parts of it that I'm excited about, but the fact that they've understood and made it so inclusive in that your quality of life 
comes from your environment, from your schools, from the policing around you. Everything is connected. And that we cannot look at this issue as uh, of police violence in this country as a singular issue that doesn't affect anything else. But when I read bills like this and I get really excited about what we could do, I am reminded that we currently do not have the government to do it. That the government that is currently in office, our Congress and our president, are not going to move this legislation. And to me, that is very disappointing because we have the ability to create the country that we know we deserve. And the one thing that is consistently in the way is who's in office. Thank God it's an election year because we actually have the ability in the next few months to change the makeup of our government. So when people say, what are we going to do about police violence or what are we going to do about education or what are we going to do about the environment? All of them have the same answer. The things that are preventing us from really fixing the problems that we all care about and that affect us every single day uh, is, is always comes down to who is in office. And the only way that you can change who is in office is by voting. And so to me, that's why, as I mentioned earlier, voting is my favorite pastime because I don't see it as something that I'm doing as a duty. I'm doing, I'm seeing it as something that I have to do in order to get the results that I need. And I need the Breathe Act to pass into law. I need many other laws to pass that affect me personally and affect my family and my friends and everyone I know and love. But that will not be, be possible unless we actually change who is currently in office. Exactly. And so we have organizations putting out legislation like the Breathe Act. We have a ton of um, legislation inspired by the Green New Deal that like we want to be implemented and that are critical to our survival. And we have politicians who are in office right now who have a hand in making sure that these legislations don't get passed because instead they're interested in maintaining the power they have. They want to make sure that like they can maintain and legitimize white supremacy and police brutality and racism. They want to maintain these stuff. And until we get them out of office, we're going to be signed to our death sentence because we have such, such little time to activate every sector of organizing. We want to make sure that like, we're both working to expand our capacity for change inside the system. And we also want to make sure that we're putting a ton of pressure outside the system so that they all work together and create a society that we can actually like live in. And so that's why like we are emphasizing the need to vote for our future and also making sure that we are amplifying the work that organizers on the ground are doing. The Vote for Our Future campaign is is more than just a event to mobilize climate-minded voters. It's really a partnership um, that I really am proud of, Kayla, between our organizations, between National Children's Campaign and Zero Hour. And I think uh, one thing that we should at least let folks know that you know National Children's Campaign, we're an intergenerational organization fighting for America's 74 million children. So that's our purpose. That's our that's our mission. And we work together from all different age ranges uh, with youth as well. And then, of course, partnering with Zero Hour for this campaign. And I think it's really important that people from all age groups work together. This is, as you guys always say, zero hour. It's the zero hour to act on to act on climate. I mean, that's what it means, right? It's no time left. If we are to follow what the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, has said, is that we have less than 10 years to drastically reduce our carbon emissions in this world otherwise face irreversible civilization 
ending climate change. And I think that a lot of folks don't understand that that literally is what we're fighting for. This isn't some figurative, imaginative, far off thing. There's no such thing as second place in this fight. You either win or you lose. And losing is losing everything. There's There's no consolation prize for this. The reason why it is so important for us to work together intergenerationally is because we do not have any choice. If we don't mobilize every man, woman, and child on this planet for the same purpose, which is to prevent the extinction of human civilization, then we are not going to have a chance. And I think that the reason why uh, this partnership works really well is that we're able to to really mobilize young people who have that energy and that idealism of seeing the world for what it could be rather than just of what it is. And I think that that's part of the problem sometimes with older people is that it's easy to get downtrodden and sometimes a bit bitter when you are so used to seeing the world as it is. And it's just, it hurts, you know, it's exhausting. And sometimes you really need young people with that fresh energy and that fresh insights to really uh, keep you going and to kind of keep that fire going. So I really am happy for our partnership on it. Let's uh, check in a little bit about the cities that we're going to be working in, Kayla. Yeah, so we are focusing on Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin as our core, you know, states of action. But a lot of our events will be accessible to everyone. Zero Hour has a really, like, solid network in Michigan and we're really excited about digging in so we will be you know closely working with local organizers in Michigan specifically we're going to be working in Grand Rapids and Detroit we'll be hiring fellows there and so we're just going to be um working closely with those folks in there yeah you know National Children's Campaign we're going to be taking the lead in Pennsylvania and we're going to be hiring fellows. We already have one hired for Pittsburgh, and soon we'll have one uh, for Philadelphia. Even though this is a digital campaign, as we mentioned, with the restrictions with coronavirus, we don't want to put any organizers or any communities at risk. So these all will be online digital events, digital town halls. But we can still register people because we're going to be using a online voter registration link. So you can share it with your family, your friends. You can tweet it. You can post it in your Instagram bio, wherever you want. And you can take two minutes, literally two minutes to fill out in order to register to vote. You can even check your current voter registration status. So if you're not quite sure, maybe you moved recently and you're like, you know what? Am I still registered in that place? You can actually check your voter registration status. We're going to have our link posted soon before our launch on Friday, July 17th. So look out for that link and you can register immediately and also check your registration. We're going to have also events. I know we're going to probably do some as well in Flint and also in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Milwaukee is where the Democratic National Committee, the convention is taking place, which I believe is also going to be sort of a remote sort of setup. I'm not completely sure what the setup for the DNC convention is going to be. Actually, the convention will be present in Milwaukee to let folks know that that's also a very important place for people to mobilize. I'm going to close this off right now. Um, Natalie, what ways would you suggest people to plug in to vote for our future and really like dig into the work we're going to be doing? I would say the best way to plug in is to check all of our social medias for both Zero Hour and National Children's Campaign. But you can also go to our joint website, which is vote for with the number four voteforourfuture.org. So that once again is vote with the number four 
ourfuture.org. And that's going to be our main place for continuous updates to let folks know where we're going to be, to look uh, to look out for the information to join to the online events as we're scheduling them. So just go to that website and you will have everything you need to know. Um, you can also donate to the campaign if you want to donate to the joint campaign to make sure that we have the resources to run it all the way till November and to keep our fellows on for the whole time. Uh, and that would be the best way that you can really help the campaign. But of course, the other way is for you to vote yourself and to register and to encourage other family, friends, and strangers to do the same. Message from my bed to outer space. Can you hear me? Thank you so much for having me on Zero Hour Talks. I'm a huge fan. I listen to every episode, so really happy to, to be a part of it. Oh, and if you want to check out the podcast for Our Future Now, which is the official oh, yes. podcast of the National Children's Campaign, also produced by the great Goal 17 Media, Bless you can them. subscribe. Yes, Goal 17 Media is really helping young people fight for this world. Um, our The podcast that I'm also the co-host of, along with Jonah Gottlieb, who is one of our founders as well and executive director, that is Our Future Now. So you can search for that on all the places that you get your podcast. And it's the official podcast for the National Children's Campaign hosted by myself, as well as our co-founder and executive director, Jonah Gottlieb. So definitely check that out. And we talk about a lot of issues that relate to America's 74 million children and how we can work together intergenerationally to make this country better. That was perfect. Thank you again to Natalie for hopping on this meeting with me. It's been a really good one. And if y'all want to further support those initiatives, you can support Zero Hour and National Children's Campaign by donating to those organizations. Just look up our websites, click the donate button, go crazy if you'd like. We talked about Vote for Our Future, our launch, what voter suppression looks like in different states, um, widening our ability to organize through this tool. And we finished off with asking y'all to get three people in your lives to vote in the interest of all of our futures. Lastly, I want to say thank you to Goal17 for producing this show. You can find more about them um, at goal17media.com. Has anyone ever seen? Has anyone ever seen my green the music for this week's episode is by Rivers Wilder Green. Thank you, Rivers. You can learn more about her music and work in the LGBTQ plus community on her Instagram at underscore Wilder Green, W-I-L-D-E-R-G-R-E-E-N. Stop.